Hello and welcome to Raising Our Voices on 3CR. Today we're going to be doing our 2016 budget special focusing on the NDIS and how it will affect people with disabilities. I'm here with Pauline Williams. Hi Pauline. Hi Ariane. It's lovely to be here tonight. Thanks. We're just going to have a quick chat about how it will affect you, what you do, your families, etc. And we're also going to have a little look at both the Victorian state budget, which came out in April, and the federal budget. So a couple of weeks before the federal budget. Um, so what's your take on some of the things you've heard so far, Pauline? Um, I'd like to, if I can... Just start with the state one because it did come out first. So AMIDA, as you know, and many other advocacy groups and many people with a disability have fought for uh, upwards of 30 years to ensure that all people with a disability have lives in the community. Yes, yes, we have. I mean, I've only been involved in the fight for 10 years, but I know a lot of the history surrounding this issue. And a lot of those people who fought have actually lived in some of the government-funded and run institutions uh, that were in Victoria. There were quite a lot at one point in our history. Yes, there were, and um, the restrictions that were put on the people that lived in them and that they were taken away from their families, some of them forcefully, is... um, absolutely disgusting and tonight we are very proud to announce that the last um, institution in Victoria will be shut and that institution is Calanda. So um, Calanda is in Colac, a Victorian country town and it was housing a hundred people. During the last budget, um, just prior to the last Victorian state election, there was some money announced for some people to move out. But now, in this year's budget, the government has announced money for everybody who's left there to move out and to have accommodation in the community. And to shut down the facility in the meantime whilst they're doing that. Um, Also, um, do you have any figures on how many people are living there now? I don't have an up-to-date figure, but around... um, between 50 and 60 people. Okay, so this new legislation is going to affect a lot of people then. Absolutely. And it also means not just those people, but once those um, facilities are closed down, it means nobody else will ever move into them again. Yes, well, definitely we've finally, finally, after years and years and years of doing this, have won one of our major battles which is to shut down all institutions in Victoria and I hope that other states take notice of this and follow suit. Agreed. Yes, there's still quite big ones in New South Wales and Queensland. Um, I think New South Wales has made an announcement it will move to close Stockton. Um, don't quote me on that, I'm not 100% sure, but I know with the, the good thing about the NDIS coming in is that They've announced that the funding that they give to organisations for housing um, will be recommending and sort of pretty much insisting upon um, community accommodation, not institutions. That's fantastic. Love it. Another one of the 
initiatives throughout this budget is that the people that are on the DSR waiting list for more funding at the moment will be some of the first to be put on the NDIS itself. So this is what we call an acronym-rich environment. (laughs) DSRs, NDISs, ISPs, oh my goodness, so many initials. And what does it all mean? The National Disability Insurance Scheme, which we shortened to NDIS, is going to fund people who've been waiting for services. And in Victoria, that waiting list was called the Disability Support Register, or the DSR, as you said. And those people will be the first to get a package of funding because they've been waiting without services or with very inadequate services. So that's good that they be the first people to get uh, funding allocated to them as a package that they control. Um, It will be around their goals. It will be around accessing the community and having, um, you know, lives equivalent to that of the rest of the community. So... It's a really, really, really positive step and part of what's happening in both the federal and state government is that money's being allocated to allow that to happen and it will start on the 1st of July this year in the northeast metropolitan region, so it includes five local government areas um, from out as far as Whittlesea in as far as Yarra and all those in the middle. And um, this is a very good, just move by the government. Um, It's justice for people that have been on there many years. I know someone that's been on there uh, for 12 years without an increase in services. Um, She's had to pull services from her local um, council who have given her the money to distribute in the way that she wants, but not a lot of councils do that. And she's had to um, find services that she's eligible for with the help of her mother, which um, I'd just like to thank all mothers in the disability community. They do do a lot for their families and to some extent other families that are being affected by the same thing. That's a great point. And um, Mother's Day just having happened, we'll um, say, hey, mums, thanks so much. And you know what? Um, some of the best advocates for the rights of people with disability and for these changes that are coming through have been parents and mothers and people with disabilities themselves. And I think, you know, I, I was actually at a forum on the NDIS, the um, the other day and it was the very first time I've ever heard this but the presenters said to begin with first and foremost we would like to thank the advocates in this world who have actually pushed for these uh, reforms pushed for these changes to happen over many 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 years and that you know it was these workers privileged to be part of the rollout but thank you to the people that spent the time to get it there and also um people that pass the torch um I know that my mother passed the torch on to me when I was about 14 and I'm ever so grateful for her doing that and what she still does to support me. And, yeah, there are a lot of people involved in even getting the NDIS to where it is. Um, again, another small win for advocates everywhere in Victoria. But... 
it's going to take forever to roll it out. Well, not forever, 2018. But it feels like forever. And um, we've still then got to iron out all the creases and get it correct. So it's a small win in a much larger picture. It's a win that's affecting a large number of people too because just in Victoria alone it will be 105,000 people um, whose lives will be, you know, materially improved in so many ways, whether it's from having somebody for the first time come in and provide them with the personal care they need to get up and start their day and get out and do things, whether it's provide the sort of um, physical support that people need to stay well and healthy, whether it be physio, um, whether it's to provide the equipment that people need. And I know there are people waiting for a long time for wheelchairs and wheelchair upgrades. It'll provide for um, support workers where people need them to go out and access the community, something that the rest of us take for granted. You're listening to Raising Our Voices Budget special on 3CR 855 AM. Able-bodied Australia does not realise that people with disabilities across the board are being discriminated against. Then the government to demand that we go out and get a job without removing the disincentives like the lack of access to transport and community infrastructure, without providing accessible buildings that can provide barrier-free employment. I'm not getting a fair go, and I don't like it, and I'm saying so. You're with Ariane, and welcome back to Raising Our Voices on 3CR. For some people, this will be life-changing, life-altering stuff because especially for those people that have never had that support before, they've always needed it, but they've never been able to have it. It will change their lives completely and make their quality of life so much better. And that's what we as a community have been fighting for for all these years, Um You talk about massive advocates like Stella Young. Um, You talk about organisations like um, with Disability Australia and um, um, people with disabilities Victoria and all those big organisations, Women with Disabilities Australia, which is awesome as well. All those big organisations who have for this and really helped everybody out will finally see the reward for all that work. And I think that there have been some, as you said, incredible advocates that have put in um, time and effort over many years, um, some of whom are no longer with us. Leslie Hall is another one that mm. springs to mind. Yeah, so um, it's great to see it finally happening. The budgets are confirming the expenditure. Um, in, in Victoria, it's something like $27 million to assist in the first stage of the rollout and the closure, as we said before, of Calanda Residential Services, which is the last sort of of the old-style institutions. We do still have um, plenty residential services, which is a new build cluster village, really, and this is one of the things we have to really guard against is that 
in builds that happen into the future with the NDIS for, for new housing, which there will be, we really don't want to see clusters because it segregates people. It makes yeah. it much harder to access community. It makes it like a little town, which is to some extent even worse than your, your institutions because, you know, you've got a little town with all these people with disabilities and they're only socialising with other people with disabilities. They're not really going beyond where they're living. It's very isolating and very overwhelming. So we need to make sure that that does not happen. That's our next fight. That's our next step um, in this whole situation. And um, my whole point this today is to bring people's attention to all these small little fights we have to take to get to the big picture. One of the other fights we have to take is to make sure that, um, I'm not sure what they said about schools yet, but um, or whether you've got information there, but we need to um, make sure that the people that are in um, particularly special setting schools, are being treated um, correctly and in a just way. Definitely. I don't have the figures on education in front of me. I'll tell you what I do have, though, and I think for Amida this is a, um, an area that's close to our hearts, and that's affordable housing. So um, the Victorian state budget actually talked a lot about um, particularly family violence because the Family Violence Royal Commission in Victoria um, put the spotlight on the need for housing for people escaping family violence. And it's great that there's going to be housing attached to that um, that that need. And, and some of it will be emergency housing and some of it will be refuge housing and some of it will be social housing that's you know long-term and permanent and affordable so um, not as much as we would have hoped for but still a big um, boost in that area which is welcome. Having been a victim of violence in the past I can well and truly welcome this on behalf of other victims because luckily I've got supportive family that helped me get out of that situation and sort of move forward other people don't have so they've or they've got family that have died so they've sort of got nowhere to go after they escape so to have this real uh, to have this coming out and to have them saying we will commit to building more housing for those people and um making sure they're in a safe environment is fantastic. So just sticking on the state again, um, transport. We, uh, we did our last show um, on public transport and yes. accessibility and there has been some announcements regarding the Metro Rail Tunnel in the state government budget. Um, there's quite a lot of money that's been put aside for that there's some roads transport and there's an extension to the Mernda rail link that the Hurstbridge rail corridor out as far as Mernda um, and there's also 
the regional public transport up to Ballarat. They're duplicating the line to Melton. So those are the major sort of public transport things. Um, Does it have any information about um, move, the removal of level crossings A has been a big point, but also um, um, adjustments to existing train stations so that people can get on the train in on and off the train independently um not that i've noticed um in my analysis but their vcos has actually picked up that there is a need to provide more funding in this area so that people with disability can move freely in their lives in order to access work um, and that accessible upgrades have not been specifically funded in this budget so in general, upgrades to train stations would incorporate additional accessibility features and there is a need for that that wasn't really picked up in this budget. The other thing that had been looked at just prior to the budget was, and we did a show on this, the multi-purpose taxi program was under review and there had been an expectation that there'd be some sort of recommendations coming out in the budget, but that wasn't there. Um, so, yeah, there are still some, particularly as regards people with disabilities, some gaps there. There is some gaps and it's something, especially people with disabilities being safe at, at your level crossings or um, like being able to get on and off the train by yourself, that will help running times so much because it will stop the driver from having to get off, put the ramp out, everything like that. So that will actually improve things for um, for everyone, I suppose, which is a massive thing, which is why I'm surprised they haven't included it in this budget. The other thing is why I bring up level crossings is because they're a major, major talking point at the moment. And also... People, I've heard stories where people with disabilities have got their wheels stuck in the level crossing. Well, that's terrible. I know that had been the case in the past. Um, uh, there'd been a couple of deaths, actually. Yeah, exactly. So you've got to think, why isn't it in the budget? Yeah, so definitely a few more areas of you know, concern that need to be picked up on. Um, Maybe we should just move to the federal budget next. So, um, of course, the federal budget's just come out. What we've seen with that is that, again, it does talk about um, the NDIS. Um, so we'll just touch on that now. And, and what some disability advocacy groups have pointed out is that, unfortunately, the budget made a link between the National Disability Insurance Scheme and welfare cuts. So um, the, the, some of the groups such as the Australian Federation of Disability Organisations put out a press release and I'll just quote their executive director, um, Matthew Wright, who said, primarily people with disability welcome the government's continued support of the National Disability Insurance Scheme, the most important reform of our time. However, the budget utilises the NDIS savings fund to, to redistribute savings from welfare cuts to the NDIS. The creation of a savings fund that links the NDIS to welfare cuts 
In particular, reassessments of the disability support pension is of great concern, Mr Wright said. The government has decided to reassess 90,000 people with disability who are on the disability support pension over three years who have already been assessed previously as eligible. Let's be clear, he said. Cutting people off the disability support pension does not create one single job, it just creates poverty. And people with disability want to work, but that will only happen if the government has a jobs plan and not a welfare plan. Well, thank you for reading that out for us, Pauline. Um, I think that um, as much as we need the NDIS, we also need our support pensions as well. But I am going to say, and this might be playing a bit of devil's advocate, is there's a lot of people out there that are on the wrong pension. Now, I'm not saying that's everyone that's affected by the re-lookings, but there is a lot of people out there that supposedly don't have the long-term effects that a disability gives but are still claiming the disability support pension, although I don't support a total pension cut. Because the thing is that when, if, say, I got a job and I worked more than 15 hours a week, if you work more than 15 hours a week, you lose your pension totally. A lot of people don't know this, but you lose your pension totally. Um, and then it can be, they're making it even harder for people to get back on it. So to say if someone with a, you know, intellectual disability was on the pension, managed to get a part-time job, which is 15 hours, that's what's um, Centrelink the lovely people, consider full-time, which is ridiculous, Um, but they'll cut them off. And then because they don't have a severe enough disability, it might be very hard for them to get back on. This is a big problem. Um, um, I'm glad you raised it because I think that there are many people who would like to be in the workforce, but there's a lot of fear around what would happen if I lost my job, not through any fault of my own. The, you know, the the job might disappear. And yeah. you're right that if might the short term as well, a lot of people with disabilities end up in short term employment. So um, part of this crackdown on the disability support p- pension has a big impact on people who's you know, I mean, in life we should be able to move comfortably from employment and if that dries up a a safety net and if there's no safety net there because going for the job actually takes away your safety net then it stops people making that move which is a real worry. Well it's only going to add to the jobless figures and the government need to work on putting a safety net back in Um, because Or making it so you can work more hours without losing the pension. Because as I said, they may consider 15 hours full-time, but it's not actually considered by the workforce as full-time. It's only considered 
part-time. You have to be working 30 hours a week to be considered in a full-time position. And that just does not marry up with what Centrelink's current legislation is. Okay, so just heading back onto the budget again, um, uh, and you mentioned earlier education and what's happening with education. One of the things that did come through in the budget, um, and again taken from the Australian Federation of Disability Organisations press release, they've cautiously welcomed $118 million for people with a disability in schools with the stipulation that there should be no further investment in segregated special schools. Yes, yes, I totally agree. There are people out there, fair enough, there are people out there that they're not, uh, they're too severely disabled enough to be integrated into mainstream school. But there are a lot of people out there who maybe use communication devices. I know someone um, who left um, a special setting school to go to mainstream school and the principal called up and told the mainstream school that he wasn't capable of learning. He is now at that school and thriving because people stuck to their guns and got him in there. Um, and there needs to be more integration and the only way we're going to do that is to stop funding to special setting schools. And by increasing, obviously, the funding to schools in general so that they can support people with a disability. Oh, yes, 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 definitely. Because I um, came out of a mainstream school and went back into special setting school um, because I was told that the school that I was in at one time couldn't support me past a certain age and then I moved to another school and got diagnosed with depression due to bullying from my support staff. So, you know, all this sort of stuff happens and it happens behind the back door and no one sees it. And this is the thing we've got to stop happening. Which, I'm sorry to hear that that happened to you, but it does lead us on to another important point in the budget that, um, again, Mr Matthew Wright raised from AFTO, and that is another thing that's missing from the budget is continued funding for both national disability um, advocacy programs and, um, and the expansion of the National Disability Advocacy Program because... As you said, things happen to people behind closed doors and how they're going to deal with it without advocacy. Yes, exactly. Um, if there are advocacy cuts made, then advocacy organisations can't run. And if they can't run, the first thing that goes is their individual advocacy worker, which I know you are one, Pauline, um, and... Then the second thing that goes is the whole organisation itself. So we need to make sure that that doesn't happen. Well, thank you so much for our budget wrap-up. We're going to have to wind up now. So 
This is Pauline Williams and Ariane Garner-Williams. Don't forget, coming up very, very soon is the Radiothon for 3CR, and we've all got to support that. This is um, uh, Raising Our Voices, signing off for another month. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to go to, uh, go to and like our Facebook page, which is Raising Our Voices on Facebook, look us up, send us a message, tell us about topics you want to hear about and we'll get them on the airwaves for you. The show coming up next is... Tamil Voices. Bye. Bye, enjoy. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.